Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I love Elton John. He's brilliant on the piano. Sucks on the organ, though. Smack a gob. Welcome to another Vieira Vault. And this is one where I'm not doing an intro. I'm going straight into it because this week we're doing another fan paid episode sex. Two albums, a double album. And who paid for it is your favorite homo, Greg Barnes. What's up, buddy? Why, hello, everybody. And uh, thank you, Mr. Dr. Fuck, for allowing me to. Uh, do this review with you well i think it's only fair dude you pay to be part of it and uh you paid for both our opinions right not just ian's or mine you wanted both of us to be on the show with you didn't you i believe so and i think it's only fair that yeah. you know you talk about double album how about double review a double review yeah a double episode which is great i i still haven't and i will I haven't heard uh, Rock and Metal 1 yet, but I I plan on doing it. But, you know, I didn't want to, you know, listen to it and then, you know, give you a biased review. (laughs) That's funny what I just said. Like, either one of you can influence me. (laughs) Anyways. It would take a great deal of something, but. (laughs) I I will. And I really do hope I get, you know, anybody out there that paid for a review and hasn't aired yet. Please let me know. Because I plan on doing every single one. This was already done on Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, but I think it's only fair that I do it as well. Even though I wasn't part of that one, I want to honor every single podcast, uh, contrary to what some people think that, you know, like if I left the show just to get away from reviewing these reviews. No, I plan on doing every single one because I don't fuck anybody over. And uh, so... Uh, yeah, this is a good one. Uh, this is a goodbye yellow brick road and we have, uh, Elton John aficionado, which I am not. I'm a, a little past casual fan because I do really like Elton John, but I don't know his discography like you do. Uh, as I'm looking at Skype right now, you have a picture of Elton John as your uh, main picture and it looks like he's very drunk. That's correct. That was, uh. That was in 84. I think it was a party of sorts sometime after his wedding. So I thought it was a really fun picture to put up there. Showcases my state of mind. And I think it's a great image for a, for this episode. Was, was that when he got married to a woman? Uh, yes. Yeah, no wonder he's super drunk. <laughs> he's like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> look at that. Look at that figure. Greg, look at that picture. Just look at the picture. Does that look like a man that just made a serious mistake? <laughs> uh, what did I get myself into? <laughs> know, like, oh, I, man. No, my favorite part is the boat, the boater hat, you know, going with it. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, the hat of shame. Oh, I, love, I love that picture. Please feed me more vodka. Let me forget what I just did. <laughs> That's, it is one of my favorite pictures because it's just, you look at it and you can't help but put a smile on your face. Yeah, yeah, smiling at somebody's misery. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this is an album that, this is the, the first Elton John album I ever bought because of a song, and we'll talk about that song. Um, and uh, I bought it, I didn't buy it in 73. I, I owned Benny and the Jets. On 45 in 1973. Because, you know, back then I wasn't buying albums yet. I just didn't start buying albums till like, 77, 78. And this one I probably bought in 80, I don't know, 81, 82. I know it was the early 80s. I ended up buying it. But I've always loved this record. This is an album that, you know, it inspired me to buy Brown Dirt Cowboy and Madman Across the River. Uh, but that's as far as I went. I do have a live Elton John album and I have one of his greatest hits on vinyl but that's it that's all i got um so i don't really know much but i know this album it's and i and i've read online it's considered you know if not his best album or one of his best and uh i can see why i mean it's a double album chock full of classics and not all are very well known but they're still classics to me because I've grown up while well, I've lived with these songs for 40 years now, close to 40 years. And I, I do put on this album quite a bit, at least once a year, at least. And when I play it, I always play it in its entirety. Um, and I never get sick of it. I, I, you know, there's, you know, one song on here, and that's pretty good for a whole album where it's just one song I don't like. And even that one, uh, it, well, I still don't like it, but. It's it's like a, a a bump on the yellow brick road. See what I did there, Greg? Yes. <laughs> it's just a minor little bump, a <laughs> minor little speed bump on on the yellow brick road on a double album, which is not bad, not bad at all. And uh, I just think it's chock full of classics. So, when did you first get this? Uh, I first heard songs from this album way, way, way back. I I can't tell you the exact year, but I can definitely tell you that I started hearing songs from this album, like Benny the Jets, Can on the Wind, going back to probably probably as early as late grade school, early middle school, somewhere around there. But in terms of getting the physical record, uh, I got it in the last 10 years when I really started to become a fan of Elton John, like a fan in terms of actually buying the, the records and kind of cult, starting to collect them. Because up until that point... I was more of a greatest hits type of a fan. I had the uh, the, the Rocketman greatest hits compilation, and I, I knew quite a few of his hit singles, and and I knew uh, some of the live songs, but I was more of like a casual greatest hits sort of a fan that just knew his name, and I knew the Lion King and all that. But it was really beginning in the era of 2009, 10, 11 is when I started to seriously get into his music and start buying the records and started getting into the live material. And it kind of springboarded from there. Um, right on, right on. So you, uh, when did you, when did you first hear goodbye yellow brick road? Uh, I first heard it. Uh, I want to say it was at the tail end of, 
2010, early 2011, uh, I was in the midst of gathering my Elton stuff. And, you know, I was, I was at that point where, well, where, where should I go from here? Because up, up, up to that point, I had, I had got, I have, I've had like four or five of his albums. I had, uh, too low for zero. I had, uh, honky chateau, madman, um, breaking hearts. And I think it might've been, uh, uh, it was either don't it was either don't shoot me or caribou. I had one of those. Then from there onwards, I got Yellow Brick Road because looking at the songs, I'm like, well, I know all these songs. Uh, let's get this one. And you know, I read all the stuff about you know how it's you know considered as magnum opus and and everything. So that's when I got it. So right in that tail end of 2010, early 2011 is kind of in that ballpark where I got the album. Would you, uh, what would be, do you have a favorite Elton John album? I do. Would it be this one? No, it would not be this one. What, which one would it be? Uh, Mad Men Across the Water. Oh, okay. That's a great one. That is a great one. I own that one. Um, all right. So, uh, why don't we get into it? Since you paid for this, baby, why don't you take track one, Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding. All right. Well, I absolutely love this song. It's it's a great opener to the album. I love how it starts off with the really ominous, mellow-sounding synthesizer arrangement. Uh, and it's one of those songs where, yeah, it's a double song, but it's totally justified to have the long length, and it's totally justified to have the two parts because it's a very, very well-structured song. Everything flows according to plan, uh, there's some great guitar work on, on there by David Johnson. I love Elton's performance. It's a great way to start off the album. It's a great concert opener. And it works really, really well as a live song. And I, I really, really dig the, uh, the opening of it where you have, the, where you have those uh, uh, art synthesizers playing. It's, a, it's just a really, really cool sounding effect. And it's, you know, from from reading about that and listening to that, that that introduction took quite a while because back then when this album was recorded in uh, in seventy three, uh, there there were there was no way to uh, record synthesizers with that with uh, polyphonic stuff on it. It was you had to input one note at a time because they were monophonic or duophonic if you were lucky. And so you had to put layers and layers of, of stuff on top of each other to create chords. But it, it was a, it's a fantastic song. I absolutely love it. It still remains one of my favorite Elton tracks of all time. And it's got great energy to it. And I can't say enough good things about the tracks. Uh, how about you, Ralph? Uh, this has always been my favorite Elton John song. And it's the one that made me buy this album. Because uh, it was played on the radio back then, and when I was a kid, and you know, uh, eventually I, you know, I, I, I vividly remember after listening to the song so many times that the one time I heard it on the radio, that one time I said, "That's it, I need to buy this record. I need to buy." Uh, you know, I didn't know it was on uh, Yellow Brick Road. I didn't know what album it was on, but I knew the name of the song, 
So, you know, the next time I went to a record store, I purposely went to the Elton John section looking for a funeral for a friend. And I saw it was on the double. You know, now that I think about it, no, that's not true. What happened was when I did see it for the first time on Yellow Brick Road, it was a double album. So it was a little more pricier and I didn't have enough money. So actually, I, I forgot what I bought that day, but I went back with, you know, the right amount of money and bought it. And um, my God, you know, it's such a long song that does not waste one second of soul chilling music, in my opinion. I mean, you know, and the last time I saw him, the only time I saw him, it was definitely the highlight for me because it's my favorite song. And he did it so good that night. You know, I, I, I don't know if, if this doesn't blow you away, your, your soul is damaged, you know. <laughs> I don't even think you even have to be an Elton John fan to like this song. You know, he scores like a motherfucker on this song, combining classical and rock just brilliantly. And, you know, not, you know, not only the best Elton John song, I think it's one of the greatest songs ever. And, you know, if I was to compile my top 10 greatest, well, fuck, maybe top 20, because there's so many good songs. Top 20, I'd put Funeral for a Friend in my top 20 is uh, one of the greatest songs ever written. Absolutely love it. I'll take the next one, uh, Candle in the Wind. You know, it's uh, following one classic to another one. A gorgeous ballad. This is an amazing fucking song. It's so beautiful, but yet it's a tragic subject, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, those to me are the best type of ballads, you know? Fuck that. I love you, baby. I'm going to bring you flowers and we're going to sit under the tree. You know, it hits me harder when the song is kind of like, I love you, baby. I'm going to bring you flowers to your funeral. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it has um, a very depressing nature to beautiful, lush. It's just a lush song, you know, with the with the backing vocals and uh, the heartfelt lyrics from uh, Bernie. Is that his name? Bernie, yeah, right? Ber- Bernie Taupin, yes. Yeah, Bernie. It. Bernie, uh, genius, you know, you could tell the guy had a, you know, you could tell he was like, you know, fiddling his Peter to Marilyn Monroe when he was a little kid. Uh, and I gotta say, you know, no disrespect to Princess Diana, but this is the version, you know, this is the real version to the song. When the Princess Diana one, I kind of felt like, well, you know, maybe because I grew up with this shit, but I kind of felt like, hey man, you know, write a new song for Princess Diana, leave this to Marilyn. You know, because I think it's just perfect as it is, and it can't be bettered. But, you know, in in all fairness, that Princess Diana version probably sold more than this one, did it? Because I know it was huge. Yeah, it was. It was um, as as I if I can recall correctly, that was the biggest selling single of all time. Or if it's not, it it's up there with uh, White Christmas by Bing Crosby. But it it was it was absolutely huge. Yeah, and that had a lot to do with, you know, it being released right when Princess Diana was killed. And, boy, you want to talk about the biggest news story that year, you know? Yeah, I even remember that. That was over 23 years ago. Yeah, you combine that tragedy that was so, you know, headline-worthy everywhere and then just write a song about it at that time. Because this, I do remember this was released not that long after she died. So it really, like, you know... And I could be wrong, but I think Elton even sang this at her funeral. Did yeah, he? But, yeah, he sang the, uh, you know, the reworked version, "Goodbye Ulan's Rose" at her funeral. Yes, live. Okay. Yeah, was that the version that was released? Um, 
Yeah, the version that was released uh, that 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 sold like crazy for Diana. That was the new version, Goodbye England's Rose. But what he did, what he did was the the live version that was at the funeral was done first. Then he goes to the studio to record the official new version, and then it gets put out. Oh, okay. For, for the, you know. Yeah, the you know her yeah, but it, it it's all I absolutely love this song. I think it's a great great song, Candle in the Wind. It's awesome. It's classic. It's sad. It's tragic, and it's beautiful at the same time. And I, and again, I love how the those uh, harmonies come in and the, the 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 melody. You know how he sings it, and 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 his voice is so beautiful. It matches the music. I absolutely love Candle in the Wind. What do you think? Oh, I've always loved the song. Um, which version you prefer? Which one do I prefer? Uh, you know, that's a tough one because I love both versions. But if I were to take a specific uh, format of the song, I would take the original one with mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe. But I would not take the one with the band. I would take the versions where he just does it by himself on the piano. Okay. B- because, you know... The band version is great. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. He sings it very well. The harmonies are fantastic, and there's some great musicianship on the uh, the original version. But if you strip that song down to just Elton and his piano, and you listen to him do it live, and he he's done it live on many of his tours, it just it takes on a whole different meaning because it's so bare bones, and you you, you could just hear the uh, you know, just the delicate piano work a lot more clearly. And because, you know, with Elton John, yes, you know, he's a piano god. He's he's an amazing pianist and and he's a legend. But, you know, I always rank his singing along with his piano playing. Like, I don't just call him, like, the, the piano player that happens to sing or, you know, the piano player that, you know, dresses flamboyant or, you know, the piano player that has numerous hit singles, you know. You know, I always rate Elton highly as a singer, too. And, oh, yeah. Great voice. And, yeah. And when he does it solo, uh, especially in his prime in his prime days, uh, you know, it just sounds so good if it's just his voice and his piano because, you know, it brings out the best of both worlds. And there there are so many excellent live versions of the song where he does it just, just on his own. It sounds amazing. Uh the song itself is fantastic. Um, it's a very, very well-written ballad. And yeah, very melancholy. It's a sad subject matter. But, you know, it's it's so well-written that, you know, when I listen to it, I don't get depressed. I don't get upset. I think it's just, it's just such a great song that, you know, hey, I love listening to it. I, I It's one of the songs I never get tired of. Yeah, it's, me it's neither. Great. All right, uh, take the next one, Benny and the Jets. Oh, I, I love love this track. It's a, it's a fun listen, uh, very energetic, uh, classic Elton John. This was one of the first songs I believe I've ever heard of Elton John was Benny and the Jets. And, you know, it's kind of a cliche pick because it's one of his signature songs. But it, it's an amazing song. It's quirky great vocals on it you know it's it's a it's a fun all-around listen um 
I love the uh, I love the quasi uh, fake you know live sound to it. Like when you hear the you know the the cheering and stuff to kind of simulate the live environment. The very first time I heard that, I'm like, I always try to figure out where it came from and like how is this live thing on on a studio song. But you know, as, as the years went on, I I realized that it you know it was just it was taken from uh, a Jimi Hendrix live album. I think it was uh, the Isle of White, I think. Really? That, yes. that, that audience noise was from Jimmy Hendrix, a Jimmy Hendrix show. Yeah. Um, I never knew that. Yeah. From, from what I recall, um, <clears throat> there was, um, they took a, they took audience cheering from that and created a loop. And then, uh, then they also took some, some sounds from, Elton's own live concerts, like the audience chatter, and they all mixed it together and put some additional effects on it, meshed it all together, and put it right on that track. So it kind of simulated a, a live environment. And for a while, I, I'm like, I was like, where's the studio version? But I realized it was the, you know, it, it was actually the studio version with, you know, that effect at the beginning. But it was a great feel to it. And it's a fun live song. Oh, no two versions are alike, and I, I absolutely love the song, and I don't get tired of it at all. It's it ranks very high for me, probably in my top fifteen of all time of Elton songs. Uh, how about you? Yeah, right on. Like I said earlier, I mean, this was all over the radio when it, and back in seventy seventy three, right? It was when this album came out. Uh huh. Um, and, uh, I went out and bought the 45 to this cause I used to buy 45s back then. I bought sweet little Willie. I bought, uh, American pie. I bought, you know, a bunch of shit when I was a little kid. I, you know, all I can afford was 45s. So yeah, for me to buy this, you know, I was into it. And I, you know, the, the thing that really gets me about this song is that tasty little piano solo in the middle. It like, you know, catapults this song into like another universe. You know, it kind of like goes one way and then goes, in, you know, just bills, you know, and it's definitely, you know, one of the staple songs of the 70s. Benny the Jets belongs definitely may not be my favorite Ellen John song, but I would say it definitely belongs in a top 10 of greatest 70s rock songs uh, that was, you know, popular. You know, it's, you know, and this song takes, you know, every time I hear it, man, it takes me back to singing this with all my might in my bedroom in 73, like, you know, jumping around and singing this song. And uh, I think it's beyond classic. I absolutely love Benny and the Jets. It's fucking classic. Yeah, and, and, you know, and you know something's classic when not only does it have a lot of staying power, but you don't get tired of it. No, you know? I don't it, get tired of this no, at all. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard Benny and the Jets over the last probably 20 years or so that I've heard the song, but I don't get sick of it because it's just such a good song. And and tell and let me tell you something, another 25 years, you're going to feel the same way because I'm approaching 50 years of listening to this shit. Yeah. In three more years, it's going to be 50 years since I've I've been listening to this song. And yeah, it doesn't get old. And neither does the next one, uh, the title track, uh, Goodbye uh, Yellow Brick Road. You know, and, you know, how can this album get any more classic with this one, two, three, four punch? You know, it's one of the greatest album sequences ever, you know, and there is this grandiose production to this song, you know, with those killer backing vocals, perfectly placed 
on the perfect parts of this song. And uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, it, it's an appropriate uh, title track, very much. I think it's a masterpiece. You know, again, I, I don't know if it would be my second favorite because, I, I, I mean, nothing can, for me, I mean, I'm not as well versus you as Elton John stuff. Maybe there is a song I like more than Funeral for a Friend out there I haven't heard. But Yellow Brick Road is right up there, though. It's one of the top tracks on this album. And um, I just love it. I love how he does the little high, high uh, vocals on it, and 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 you hear that lush backing vocals. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous song. And uh, what a great way to start this album with these four tracks. What do you think of "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road"? Oh well, it's it's an Elton John classic, and it's another one of his signature songs. And like the previous song, I, I can tell you that I've heard it so many times, but it doesn't get old for me because it's 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 very well written. It has has that amazing, you know, grandiose production on it. Gus Dudgeon, phenomenal producer. Um and you know, I love the lyrics on it. They're they're very they're very silly, but hey, wonderful Wizard of Oz, I can dig it. Um but uh Hello, Julie Garden. Hello. <laughs> I need to watch that film. Um, but it's a it's a great great song, and you know I I absolutely love it. And to me, it, it's one of those songs that you know it's a perfect Elton John pop rocker. You know it's it's got great production. It's catchy. It's very memorable. It's got all the traits you need for a classic and you know it's just over three minutes i mean it's like the, it's a perfect sort of a elton john pop song doesn't and, it seem longer than three minutes though in a good way well you know? well there's so much going on yeah, in the yeah song you know it's it's not a bare bones piano track or a ballad yeah. this this is a very lush grandiose yeah full you know, production full production you know kind of has hints of soft rock and glam rock and progressive rock in there. It, there's a lot going on in that three minutes. Yeah. And it, it, it's wonderful. I mean, <clears throat> so far, it's like, you know, we're four songs into this, and it's like we're we're keep hitting home runs with this yeah. album. It's 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 fantastic. I, I love the song. I don't get tired of it. And, you know, it's it's used as the closing song on uh Elton's current farewell tour. That so is true. So I mean, it's I love it. I absolutely dig the song. No complaints from me. Well, speaking of home runs, what do you think of the next song? This song has no title. Ah, uh, the song has no title. Um, this one, this is one where it start. We're starting to hit. I wouldn't necessarily say a speed bump, but it kind of stops that upward momentum of constant classic you know nearly faultless songs uh this song is not bad whatsoever um it's a it's a pleasant listen but and it's got a lot of good in it but it kind of feels like one of those like a killer filler type of a song it's it's just there on the album it's very short a little under two and a half minutes um it's not bad, but it's one of those things where it, it comes off as more of a 
high produced demo. You know, it, it's it's just sitting there. It, it's okay. I mean, it's not terrible. I mean, I can think of much worse material than this, but it's just there on the album. It it's nowhere near as good as the previous four songs, at least for me. But it's not bad. But it's one of those things where I wish it was expanded upon a bit more. But it is what it is. To me, it's it's ple- it's a pleasant listen, but nothing really noteworthy. How about you? Well, I, you know, of course, it's not as well known as the songs before it, but I do feel it's just as classic, and it should have been a radio staple. It's a bit more folky than the other songs, but to me, it's just as effective with hooks. But I will agree, my only gripe on this song is how it ends. You know, it should at least been a minute longer. You know, it does kind of leave me wanting more, but that's a good thing. But, yeah, I love it, you know, if the only thing I, I I just think it should have been longer. If it would have been a minute longer, it, I think it could have been a radio staple. It's just like, yeah. My only gripe is how it ends. It's like, oh, I wanted it to keep going because I, I really do like this song, um, and I really do like Gray Seal, the next track. I think that one's a killer tune. I love those little swirling vibes it has in parts. I think it's perfectly executed musically and lyrically. You know, this is Elton John firing on all cylinders and that wah-wah guitar section makes it a pretty uh, pretty good hard rocking tune. And Grey Seal, um, I think it's a, one of the dark horses. Not the biggest dark horse on the album. I'll tell you which that one is when we get to it. Because there's a song on this album that, Jesus, I think should have been just as big as Candle in the Wind. The Diana fucking Princess Diana version is so good. But... Um, Great Seal, I think, is a great track, a great addition to this album. What do you think? Oh, this is, um, yeah, Great Seal to me is 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 an absolute classic. It's it's probably my it's one of my favorite tracks, not only on the album in general, but it's up there with one of my favorites of all time. It's for me, it's a top three song. Wow, on, on the album. Oh, okay, not overall. No, not of all time. No, no. Okay. For me, it's impossible to give you a top three like that. But I can tell you in the, in the uh, with the album, it's it's top three because I I think it's an uh, an amazing song. It's got that great up tempo feel to it. The the chorus is so awesome. It, it's very uplifting. It's uh-huh. g- great melodic feel to it, and it's it's an amazing live song. Uh, it, to me, that that is classic. That song should have been a hit. Yeah. I mean, it it, it it wasn't. It wasn't released as a single. Um, but man, if it was released as a single, it would have been a hit because it. You know, it's. It, I'm not going to say it's an obscure song, but you know, it's you know, for a casual fan, it may be semi-obscure. But well, to me, I've, I've never heard it on the radio, so it would be very uh, obscure to a casual. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's played. It was played live quite a bit, you know, depending right. on the tour. So it's not like it was a complete obscure song. But I'm like, this song doesn't deserve to be in the dark. I mean, it's it's an amazing track. It's it's got. David Johnson, an amazing guitarist, uh, very underrated, uh, you know, very tasteful player. And, you know, we, we talk about Elton, obviously, we're, you know, we're talking about Elton John here, but, you know, you look at these, you look at the band, his core backing band, 
during this era. You have D. Murray, an amazing melodic bass player. Uh, Davey Johnson, an amazing guitarist. Nigel Olson, fantastic drummer. And, you know, the, these guys have a magic to them. And, yeah. you know, and Elton has played with some amazing musicians uh, on various albums and his live concerts, but there's something about that 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 core band where you have Elton, D, David, and Nigel, and it's, it's just it's amazing. Gray Seal, top three on the album for me, should have been released as a single, should have been a hit. Uh, one of my favorite Elton songs of all time. Fantastic. Sadly, not played when the one and only time I saw him. Yeah, when did you when did you see him again? It was at the American Airline Arena last year, I believe. I think it was in 2019. If not, then late 2018. One of the two. Yeah, yeah. He he wasn't. He's not playing it on this tour. Is uh, not yet. But um, he should revive it though, because it's a great song. Oh yeah. But he did play one of the deep tracks on this album on that tour, and I'll, we'll talk about that when we get yeah. there. All mm-hmm. right. How about Jamaica Jerk Off? That's the next track. <laughs> um well it sucks to me Ooh. to me worst track off the, we're off the album wow. uh elton's attempt to do reggae nah i i know why they did it because the initial sessions were in jamaica but you know if you read the backstory about what was going on down there things didn't work out too well uh so much you know political tension violence and it and but it's just to me it, it doesn't click now i know there's people that really like this song hello you know, it, it is quirky <laughs> and that's cool but to me this is a dud song that just okay. i i could never get into it but i mean it is fun it is a, it is fun to listen to i i'll, I'll give it that but to me it totally missed the mark. Uh, you know, so far up to that point, I've had real no issues with the record. But finally, you talk about a speed bump. This is this is a roadblock. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is not for me. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. No, I love it. I, I love this song. I've always loved this. It, you know, the, the little reggae element, you know, it's kind of like takes a little left turn on the album. It's got great hooks. And yeah, I can see it as a filler now that you mention it. But killer filler, you know, not at the same standards as the classic that came before it on this album. But I think it's a great song that bridges this album together. Uh, I think it's a it's a great song. You know, yeah, it's different, but I I like it. I I don't have a problem with it. Believe me, there is a song I have a problem with on here, but it's definitely not this one. Uh, One of my favorites on here. No, I wouldn't say that, but it's definitely a good song to my ears. But I'll take this one. I've seen the, uh, that movie, too. You know, um, songs like this, you know, uh, what's a good way to put it? Because um, I didn't take notes for this. I want, I want, to, I want to really emphasize this song good because this song is killer, too. Um, it, 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 it's so 70s, you know. To me, it's, a, it's as good as the title track or Candle in the Wind. You know, it may not have that classic radio stamp all over it, but it should. You know, the total emotion in in the vocals and music, and I 
absolutely love the strings they put on the album. It it builds it beyond you know a filler track. You know, uh, to my ears, this song is fucking classic. I love. I've seen that movie too. What do you think? Um, for me, th- this song, at least for me, is a definite improvement over the previous song. You know, I'll, I'll say that. Where are you uh, from, Greg? Where are you from? Where am I from? Uh, Detroit. Well, outside right. Detroit. Can I start calling you Detroit Jerkoff from now on? Yeah, go ahead. All right, cool. Well, yeah. keep going, Detroit Jerkoff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should see that movie. Um, but, but for me, I've seen that movie too. Um, while it's not really like a classic for me, I can respect the song. So, I mean, I think it is very well written. And it does have a good feel to it. And I think it it's one of those songs where it's like I listen to it and it's like, you know, I really like it, but I don't love it. it it's like, it's kind of like a car running on six or seven cylinders and it's an eight-cylinder vehicle. It's like it's missing something that's turning the song into a bonafide classic because it has the potential you know i think it's i think it's really good um but you know it's not bad by any means i mean i'll take it over the previous song and and i actually like it a little more than uh the song has no title but um but yeah it's like i like it but i'm not i wouldn't put it up high on the list uh, for the album but I can appreciate the song for what it is and I can respect it. So I, I wouldn't skip the song or anything if it came on because it's just, you know, it had potential to be amazing. Uh, to me, it's, it's a good song, but I, I, I don't know. I, I just wish it was better, but and I can't say what I would have done to make it a classic because, but it, it, it sounds good. Well, wow, I, no, I had no idea I was a bigger Elton John than you, you Detroit jerk-off. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's fine for what it is. Yeah, I you know, I will agree it is better than Jamaican jerk-off, and it's not really on top of the list. You know, it's probably probably down there, but I still, I, I hear classic in my ears to this one. But what do you think of Sweet Painted Lady, the next one? Uh, th- This was a song that... uh. Originally, when I first heard the album, it was kind of a a grower for me. Uh, for me, I absolutely love it. Um, it this song is, is is so good to me. It's the most underrated track uh, off the album, and it's one of those songs that it, it wasn't performed live all that often. Uh, there there's a few live versions here and there you can check out. Sounds great, by the way, live. But you know, it's it's an awesome track. It was a grower for me. Um, it's about it's about prostitutes, so I'm, I'm sure that'll uh, you know that'll gel the minds of people. Um, and I really like the song. To me, it's the most underrated track off the album, and I appreciate it. And it should have been played live more often than what it what it was, but I can I can appreciate it as a, as a deep cut semi obscure track, and I dig it. How about you? 
Not, not a bad song. This is not the bump in the road song. Uh, but not as top notch as the songs before it, I don't think. But definitely not a skippable song. It kind of has the samey sound as uh, the better mellow of songs on here. And for me, it, that makes it suffer a little bit. Maybe if it was positioned earlier on this album, let's say switch this with Candle in the Wind uh, as the second song, I think it would be a little, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I just feel like it, it, uh, it wouldn't be so downgraded to me by the title track or Candle in the Wind. But I really do still like the song. Um, but the next one, Ballad of Danny Bailey. Fuck, I love this one too. Great swagger to this one. Great flow. I would consider this one a dark horse on the album. Not the darkest horse. Uh, this one is kind of like beige. And uh, let me ask you something. Was this based on a true story? Uh, well, th this song was... Um... I believe it was partially based on a true story. It was about, um, <clears throat> it's about gangsters. Yeah. And it's a, uh, it's one of those songs where it's got some of the, it's, it's got lyrics to where if you really look at those lyrics, you can interpret those lyrics in, in so many different ways. Like, you know, if Danny Bailey is a villain, or a hero of sorts. It's it's got one of it's got one of my favorite uh, lyrics on the on the entire album because the way the song is set up and I I love the song. Don't get me wrong, it's a great song, and I would kind of put it in that category of you know it should have been you know a hit, should have been a classic. I I personally think it it is a fantastic song, um, but you know it's one of those songs where. I, those lyrics are just are just so good and interesting um you know and and bernie has said you know in some of these interviews uh you know it's based off of those uh folk heroes like danny bailey obviously is a fictional character a composite but um but he's based it off of those folk heroes that you know that people fall in love with and it's it's got a great set of lyrics. You can interpret them in so many different ways. Uh, it, it's it, it's like you could use these in some sort of like a crime drama or a, or an old gangster film, and then just look at them and, and interpret them like heroes and villains, and who's the bad guy or which side am I on? Um, it's it's a very interesting song. And I personally love it. All right, Greg, what do you think of Dirty Little Girl, the next track? Well, um, for, for me, I've tried to get into this song, and something just isn't clicking with me on it. It's To, to me, I'm not going to say it's the worst track, but for this album, it's, it's in the lower tier. It's, it is hard. It, it is heavy it's one of the heaviest songs elton has done um but i don't know it just it didn't really so it's not clicking for me like it's not my song now i know there's people that do like like this song a lot and i did see hello a lot of comments on it besides hello but also <laughs> when uh you know 
I've seen comments on Facebook, you know, people really like this, and I'm like, maybe I'm missing something, or... So so I, I listened to it a couple more times, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe maybe it's one of those things where it's like, it just isn't for me, but I don't know. I've never really been a fan of it, but it's not terrible. So so go ahead, go ahead. Tell me why you like it. Oh, I do like this song, but I will agree, it's not one of my favorites on here. Uh, musically, I find it a bit dated, but, you know, I still like it. I think... The best song, the best thing about this song is how Elton delivers it vocally. I think that's what shines on this song, you know. But, you know, I will say it's not the bump in the road, but listening to the song, if there's any song on the album that was rushed, I would predict it was this one. It's, you know, it, it is rockier than most, as you said, on this album. But it's not shit. It's far from it. But, yeah, I kind of see how the dart doesn't hit the bullseye. For me on this track, but it's definitely not the bump because there's a song on here that's a fucking speed bump, but it's definitely not this one. All right, take the next one. All the girls love Alice. Man, Oshevitz. This one he played. I believe it was probably the second song on the set list that night. And boy, was I happy he threw this one because this is one of the most underrated rock songs ever. You know, this is. And and you think about, you know, being released in 73, this must have had some controversy back then because, did I just say controversy? Yeah, uh, something like that. We'll yeah. let it go. <laughs> <laughs> well, controversy. Um, because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this song about, like, a bisexual chick? Yeah. You know, all the little yes. girls love Alice. Uh-huh, yep. It's yeah. about, about a, a lesbian prostitute, yes. Oh, a les- oh so there's... There's two prostitute songs already on this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, man, that, that's what I get out of it. I, and, you know, how it rocks, and then it goes into that mellow switch in the chorus. I find it pure genius, pure, pure hooky, and so infectious. And, man, when he started playing this, I was not expecting this. Because I'm not, a, you know, well-versed on Elton John's set list, so... You know, maybe he does play this a lot. I don't know, but I wasn't expecting it. And it was very early in the set. I was like, oh, shit, he's doing all the girls love Alice. For the longest time, I thought it was about Alice Cooper. So I started listening to the lyrics. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, this is a chick, Alice, you know. Yeah. But, uh, oh, man, this is this one would be up there in like probably my top five on this album. All the girls love Alice. Absolutely love it. I love it. I, I want to be a bisexual chick because of this song. What do you think? Well, today's technology, we can all be them. But, um, but for me, in the with the song, oh, I love this song. It's, you know, it's got a, it's got a great, great, great message in terms of delivery with the musicianship. Uh, the I love the driving bass. It's a it's a great song. Uh, Elton's vocal sounds really good on it. It's, it comes off great live. Um, and it just what just the way the song flows, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and yeah, it, it is a pretty popular song live. I mean, it, it goes in and out of the set. Is but, it is it is it like one of those mainstay songs on the set list? He plays it a lot. No, not a mainstay. I mean, okay. he'll, he'll play it through a whole tour and stuff, but it's not. It hasn't been on every tour. Okay, if, good. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad he put it on that farewell tour. Yeah, I mean it. It, it deserves to be there. It's a great song, 
and, and it rocks. It totally rocks live because, yeah. you know, obviously the studio version is awesome too, but in the live environment where you have, you know, it just, you know, it has that little extra burst of energy to it. It's awesome. Uh, and yeah, I, I absolutely love the song. I always have. Even even going back to when I first heard the song, I always thought it just had a great rhythm to it and a very well-structured, up-tempo, sort of a hard rocker for Elvis. With, with a great mellow verse. I mean, yes. the chorus. Yeah, the chorus is so awesome. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and the falsetto was great. Yeah, I mean, unlike unlike the Unforgiven from Metallica, where it gets all mellow in the verse, in the chorus, that shit sucks. Well, that's just my opinion. But keep going, Greg. Yeah, Detroit <laughs> jerk off you. <laughs> but yeah, all the girls love Alice is is amazing. One of my favorites off the album. Right on. Your sister can't twist is the next one. That that's right. Begins the last side. Of the uh, of the second LP, um, this one for me, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but it's okay. I mean, I'll, I'll listen to it. Uh, and surprisingly enough, Elton brought this back into the sets uh, about uh, six, seven years ago. You know, for when he was touring around, I believe it was the Diving Board album. Um, he brought it back into the sets and put it as an encore song. And up to that point, the song wasn't played live for good uh, 40 years wow. or so. So, I, I mean, it was, it, it, was a great, it was a great track, you know, in terms of adding something new to the set because it wasn't played. But, and it was a fun little mi- you know, mix-up. But... It was, um, it's okay. I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's filler, but, you know, I don't, I don't hate it or anything. But, you know, it, it was nice to see him kind of bring it back and then put it in the set for a while. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's a quick song, too. So, you know, over and done. But, yeah, it's all, it's all right. N- nothing too outlandish on this one. How about you? This is my speed bump, bro. Oh, man, this one's a bit of a mess. Uh, trying to recreate 50s rock and roll. I never liked when later artists trying to recreate, you know, most of the time. There's sometimes it works. But, you know, I, I've heard worse, don't get me wrong, but this is my least favorite song on the album because I just find it kind of messy. Um, you know, it's rocky rolly and it's a little sped up, and it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb for me. I've never liked this one. Most of the time when I would listen to this album... Uh, and, and on side four, I'd go right to Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Because, uh, yeah, that's the song that I would consider the speed bump on the album. But, you know, it's like, eh, it, it sounds like I hate it more than I should because it's surrounded by such great songs. Uh, if it was on an album that was full of shit songs, it'd be much better, I think. But uh, <laughs> the next song, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, you know, it, it's... It's good this this one comes after that Sister Can't Twist song. That Sister Can't Twist song kind of reminds me of your mama don't dance and your daddy don't rock and roll shit, you know? What's it called again? Your Sister Can't Twist and there's something else, right? Yeah, your sister can't twist, but she can rock and roll. There you go. It's, what came first? Your mama don't dance or your sister can't twist? <laughs> you know? They were both 70s corny songs, but anyway. 
Um, and yeah, I'm very surprised he brought that shit to the back. I I never thought he even played this shit live. Yeah, but I hey. didn't think so either. And it was brought back. I was like, yeah, it was a good a good like mix up of the set. But I'm like, that's odd. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad he didn't do that on the farewell tour. <laughs> no, you know it's you know it's out of the set. But uh, uh, Saturday night's all right for fighting. You know, it, it's it's kind of got the same vibe of your sister can't dance, but it's slowed down and it's way more effective because oh, it's yeah. got this great snotty rocking attitude, and uh, it's a fucking classic for a reason. Flotsam and Jetsam did a really shitty version of this song. Can't fuck with this. I don't think anybody can do this shit better than Elton. It's it's rocking too. It's a great rocking up tempo tune, and it's great that he slaps this on later on the album. You know what I mean? Um, I love it. I love Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. What do you think? Oh, I love it. I've always loved this song. Classic Elton. Uh, it's a it's a great live song. Uh, I and I just love how energetic it is. I mean, you know, this is you know. This is one of the harder songs he's done. Uh, and, and, and you're right. It kind of gives you that that old school kind of a rock and roll feel to it. But it's done so well on this song. Uh, it's got Davy Johnson's brilliant, brilliant guitar work. Uh, and what's interesting about this song is when, when the album was initially going to be recorded in jamaica um this that song saturday night was it was the only song that was recorded during that time oh and so so originally they were they were going to go to jamaica and record the whole album there but obviously due to all the violence and the the political stuff going down and you know there, there was a lot of turmoil down there they got the hell out of there when they got the chance but uh they never used the recording from Jamaica because it turned out really bad because the recording equipment was really of uh, abysmal quality. Um, but it was recorded in Jamaica, but you know it had to have sounded really bad for them to re-record it. You know, back you know in the in the proper area because uh, they recorded it in France. But um, <clears throat> it was, you know, it's a great song. It's very aggressive. Uh, when it's played live, it's off extended, and and Elton likes, you know, does his Jerry Lee Lewis influenced, you know, piano boogie woogie riffs on it in the improv section. It's a great, great song, and um, it's it's one of the few songs that because no, normally normally Elton uh, normally Elton you know records the songs with the uh you know with the piano you know with the lyrics but here he had to add the piano he overdubbed the piano on top of the music already so it was it's very it was recorded very atypical but it's a great song i love it and it has always remained a favorite of mine because of just how it comes across it's a great rocker i never get tired of it Personally. I got a belly full of beer. I love that line. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a fantastic song. I love it. All right, how about Roy Rogers? What do you think of that one? Roy Rogers. Um, it's a pretty pretty good track. Um, again, it's not my it's not my absolute favorite, but you know, considering some of the other tracks on here that 
I haven't been the most kind to. Um, no, it's it's quite all right. Um, and I, I like how the song flows, and it's a, it's a it's a pretty decent song. You know, I I personally like it. It's one of those songs where, you know, it tends to get kind of like a mixed reception. You know, some people really love it, some really hate it. I tend to fall kind of more towards the like category because I do think it's a pretty good song. Um, but you know, it's it's not one of my absolute favorites. But you know, I still quite like it. Nothing really wrong with it. How about you, Ralph? Uh, I think it's almost a gospel-sounding song. Um, and it's been a few songs since the album went back to you know the mellow old nature. I personally think this song rules. I'm in I'm in that category of people that love this song. I think it has a great atmosphere. I love them lyrics. You know, I'm guessing it's Bernie's reflection on his childhood being a fan of Roy Rogers and Trigger, because I hear a lot of references on Roy Roger in the song. And I do think it's a really good song. And uh, that's that's all I got to say about that one, Roy Rogers. You know, I mean, standout almost, almost. I, I do love it though, but there's so many standouts on here. You know, does it mm-hmm. does it reach the plateau of? Uh, Funeral for a Friend or Can on the Wind, Benny and the Jets or, you know, Gray Seal. No, not really, but it's still good. I, I like it. Uh, the next one's called Social Disease. And, man, this one always bothered me in the beginning because it's so quiet. You know, it starts off quiet. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the mix is right, you know. So I always have to turn up the stereo to listen to this properly only for it to crank itself up uh, alone and, you know, and then get tuned in with the rest of the album at the proper level as the other tracks. It's a bit honky tonk sounding song, you know, not really my thing, but this does bring some hooks that gets my attention. Uh, But yeah, it's not one of the better tracks for me, but it's definitely not bad. This one, like Roy Rogers to you, it's just okay. Uh, What do you think of social disease? Uh, if if Jamaica Jerk Off wasn't on the album, I would have considered this to be the worst track. Um, I never really particularly liked this one. And it's not quite as bad as Jamaica Jerk Off, but I, I never really liked it. It's just, to me, it's just, you know, it's just a waste of space uh, on the LP or the album. I, I never really got into it. It's a little too hokey for my tastes. Um, and, I, and yeah, I mean, the whole quiet volume and then, you know, turning it up and then it blasts. You know, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've perforated my eardrums. But um, it's it's never really been my song. I, I never really liked it. Uh, so, I mean, I can't really add much more to it because I just... It's not really my thing, to be honest. All right, now we're down to the last track, Harmony. Now, this is a song I really like. Um, is it a bona fide classic? No. But I think it's a really good song, and it's you know it, it's definitely better than the last song. I think I like it a little bit better than Roy Rogers. Um, I think it's a good ending to the album uh it's got a nice flow to it you know it's kind of got that that laid back mellow sort of a a feel to it and i i i really like how the song flows i mean it's a it's it's a good track for me 
not not really a, a standout track, but it's it's a good track. And you know, the subject matter is you know fairly straightforward. It's about you know, harmony could be a lover. It could be about music itself, creating harmony. Um, so, you know, it's not it's not classic, but to me, it's fine. It's a good song, and it's a good way to close the album. And I like hearing it live too. So, all in all, it's it's quite nice. How about you? Uh, this song definitely does not get the recognition it deserves. I think. I think it's a beautiful song. I think this is Elton John's greatest single that was never a single. A genuine lost classic and one of his best. Uh, you know, and it's a good idea uh, to keep this as the last track, to end it in such a high note. Uh, this is why this, I guess, this album is considered such a classic. It's a double album with, uh, in my opinion, just one bad song. Uh, you know, just one bump, but uh, this is one of the better songs on the album. I would put this high up there with the first uh, four songs. Um, I'd, I think it's as good as, uh, well, you know, not as good, but in the same uh, hemisphere as uh, the first four songs. I think it's, it's, it's a brilliant tune, and it should have been a single. I think this could have been a hit huge, and I've never heard it on the radio. I've always heard it on the record. And every time this record ends, man, I, I, that that song always grabs my attention. It's the last one I hear, and I'm like, wow, what a great tune. Um, and unfortunately, he didn't play it when I saw him. Is this played a lot? Um, it, it was played a little bit. I mean, it was, it was featured on uh, some of the tours. He played it uh, on the tour where he was touring around uh, Rock of the Westies. Uh, he played it in 80... Um, and he, and he kind of, he played on some of his solo tours, but it's not a live staple. It, it comes and goes. Okay. All right. I don't feel that bad now. Cause I would have, I, I would have been really pissed if he did it every tour, but the last one. No, but, I mean, no, it, it, he hasn't played it live in a long time. Well, awesome, dude. I hope, uh, was money well spent there, Greg, for, uh, for, hey man, you got two shows out of this fucking album. Yeah, I ain't complaining. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I had a lot of fun doing this with you, man. Oh, oh absolutely. And you know, uh, you've always been one of my favorite guests. I've always praised you on on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I mean, it was, it was it's it's just fun to do. It's it's fun to uh, to discuss music and and albums and rank songs and yeah, well, just, good just albums. Have, just have fun. Good albums. It's not. It's not fun doing shitty albums. But I will do every fucking uh, request, every single one. It's just tough, man. I, I, that I can't get a list. I wish I could get the list of everybody so I can hit everybody up and and do this, you know. And because uh, I, I would love to just do every single one uh, that's left, you know, just to honor everybody because I am very, very, extremely grateful. Uh, for everybody that has donated, including you, Greg, that uh, to the Rock and Pod, you all made that, uh, you know, what I consider the greatest podcast ever, uh, you know, validified by our listeners. And uh, I may have left the show, but I still have a uh, deep love for everybody uh, that has supported the show and uh, took part in the podcast kings, took part in the donations and going out there and, you know, 
I really am grateful for all that. You know, I may have left the show, but uh, the the people that listen, you know, I'm saying, you know, uh, and also I got to stress the people that listen that are like you that aren't taking sides because, you know, I've seen some screenshots that some, some people said some fucked up things, lies about me. That's fine. And now I know who you're, you know, who your true friends are, you know, especially ones that never heard my side and are already judging me. I'm glad. I'm glad I, I, and I, and, and, and believe me, I know who you are. (laughs) Some of you are on my friends list too. And I'm like, yeah, you're nice to me. Uh, but you think uh, you think I'm not seeing what's going on in this group that I'm not part of anymore. But I see you. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, I do want to I do want to get everybody's uh, donations. Uh, even if you don't like me, I don't care. I'm going to do your fucking requests, whether you like it or not. And um, and I thank you, Greg, for for donating. And uh, it's great. And I would love to have you back on the Vera Vault when. Uh, you know, ever I have like you know, uh, music that's appealing to gay people. Oh, no problem. Uh, <laughs> but but also, if, if there's music that you think I would like, yeah, or, gay or, or something. Well, I mean, I'm willing to broaden my horizons just a little bit. Hey, I like uh, a lot of gay music. Don't worry about it, bro. There's a lot of gay stuff I like that I'll have you back on. Don't worry. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about Frantic Romantic by Jermaine Stewart, that'd be a hell of an album to talk about. Or uh, I never heard of it. <laughs> oh, you know, we don't have to take our clothes off. Um, well, but, my clothes are off now. I don't know if you know that. Well, well, so so mine. But um, let's turn on the camera, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's fiddle with our anuses. Oh, it's like all that brought back some memories of the past. I don't think it, I don't think I don't think it's that gay on my part. If I do it over a cam, no, I mean it's not like we're in the same room. No, no, that's gay. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a little that's a little uh, out there even for me. But um... see, see, I'm so hetero that I'll turn my camera on, but I won't look at your camera. But I'll let you look at me. Hey, you know what? That's okay. That's, that that's okay. You know, it's yeah, like... you know, it's too gay if I see you to, or watching me. <laughs> well, that's what happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was an absolute pleasure to do this. Well, thank um, you, dude, and I'm glad. And that's another thing. Um, I did say this. I, I just, uh, as uh, we're recording this, I aired the David Bowie request one, and I said because I sent you the message, but I didn't get your reply ne- uh, yet. And I said on that episode, I I asked Greg, but I totally understand if he wouldn't want to do it because after all, he already did. He'd be repeating himself, so I can understand how he'd be like, "Oh, dude, I already did it," but. You were kind enough to say, fuck it, I'll do it again. I'm like, fuck yeah, man. And I'm glad you did, man, because you paid for this. And and I think it's, you know, it, it makes me feel good that I got you on the show and I got to talk about this album. And it makes me feel doubly good that you got to do it with Ian as well. You know, so you got your, you know, your fix on both ends. It was, you know, what you did today here is no different than being a rock and metal comment podcast because... You're getting both review of both uh, opinions just on separate shows. That's all, you know. And I didn't repeat myself at all. I mean, good, good. I mean, obviously, certain views on songs were didn't really change, but you know, it's not like I listened to my old recording and then repeated these same exact words. Right, so, right. You know, I, I I never would do that. So because right. like like who does that? Me. 
But I'm not. <laughs> I would do it. I would have kept the notes and said, "Fuck it, I'm just repeating myself, man." No, I never. No, I never do notes when I do. Uh... No, I didn't do notes for this one either, actually. But I did listen to it uh, today in its entirety just to refresh myself because I haven't listened to this album in about maybe a year and a half, or maybe even less than that. But I said, "Let me just listen to it one more time" because I know this album well. You know, I've been living with it for close to forty years and. I don't think I've gone more than two years without listening to it through all this time. Sometimes even more than once a year, you know, because I get in those when I get in an Elton John mood, this is the one I grab. But, you know, I listen to the other ones, your favorite Madman. I listen to that one, too. And um, Browner Cowboy. I'm not the biggest fan of that one, dude. What do you think of that one? Captain Fantastic. Um, yeah. I, th- I think it's a great record. Um, okay, I, I got to give it more of a chance because every time I listen to it, I... I don't know. I guess I measure it against this one. Do you like it more than this one? Uh, that that's tough because if I if I were to rank Elton's classic era, like the the albums he did from the self titled up to uh, Rock of the Westies seventy to seventy five, uh, I could I could tell you right off the bat that my absolute favorite record in that stretch is Madman. Right. Um. And, you know, for number two, uh, I'm pretty content on Don't Shoot Me. Um, I'm just a piano player, yeah. Yeah, and then, but, you know, that whole run was was fantastic. For me, Captain Fantastic, uh, you know, it's a very, you know, it's it's a very personal album. Uh, You know, it's it's a concept album. So it's a very, it's different than all the, other albums in the classic era, but um, <clears throat> but I rank it really high. I don't know if I would put it at like three or four, but I, I rank it really highly. I, I really, really legitimately love that album. More than and, Yellow Brick Road? Uh, you see, that's, that's the tough part because... What do you think? It's like a tie? For, for me, Yellow Brick Road, if it was a single album and cut some of the songs out, I would have put it as my uh, number one or number two. I get it. You know, you know, Greg, I, I own it on vinyl. And God, I mean, it looks like a double album. It brings a book. Mm-hmm. It bring, I even have the order form in there. I have the yeah, old yeah. school one. Yeah, that's um, the yeah, that's the first gen, you know, it, oh, that's I got the, the original. First, oh, I got the original. Cool. And I got that at uh, like for three bucks at a youth place. Not that, not that long ago, maybe like four or five years ago. So I haven't really, like, uh, uh, you know, dived into that album as much as I should. Because every time, you know, when it comes to Alan John, I'll put on this one or, or Madman. Uh, so that one I probably listened to maybe tw- two or three times. So I should I should warm up to it more. Oh, yeah. But, but I will say, though, um, it being a concept album and it being a much more personal album than some of the other ones... You know, I've seen some people write that, you know, it's more of a grower album. It's not an uh, album. It's, it's not an album that can really be listened to a few times. It's one of those things where repeated listens or slow listens benefit it better than just listening to it a few times and and then going off it because, you know, the, there's some Elton albums outside of the classic era that I think are absolutely amazing. And I would put up there, not necessarily 
at like madman level or don't shoot me but he's done some stuff outside of the classic era which i think are fantastic work like um for example a more modern more modern album he did uh this century songs from the west coast uh is a fantastic album and it's my favorite album he's done in the in the 21st century because he goes back to his roots the production is stripped down so it's not overproduced like some of the other work. If you were to pick with a gun to your head, Greg, what is the best Elton John album after the classic era? You have to pick. You have to look a gun to your head. Either you pick a song or you have to have sex with a woman. What would be that album the, after the classic era that you would say, okay, it's a tough one. It's almost a tie, but I'm going to have to, cause you know, I don't want to have sex with a woman. So I'll pick this one. Which one would that be? Uh, well, if I had to think about about sex with a woman, you know, I'd be sweating balls. But <laughs> um, but if I answer the question, if I would have had a gun to my head and had to pick something post, uh, you know, peak album, Elton, I would I would probably pick something like uh, like Too Low for Zero. Okay. Um, that was the quote unquote kind of comeback album where he reunited with the core of his uh, 70s backing band where you have uh, D, uh, David, and Nigel on there. And there, there's so many great songs on there. Uh, it's a very consistent album. And it's, you know, it's got a lot of great material. You know, it's got, I'm, it's the album with I'm Still Standing on it, but it's got, I guess, what's they called the blues, uh, Coldest Christmas. Uh, Kiss the Bride, One More Arrow. There, there's a lot of great, great songs on there that are, you know, you know, a lot of his post '70s work tends to get overlooked because it's not quote classic Elton, but yeah, it goes well, for every artist, you know. Yeah, but I, I will say, you know, you know, some of my some of the albums I really like post '70s. I, I really like Two for Zero. The Fox is a really good record too. Mm-hmm. Um. And Breaking Hearts is pretty good. Um, Sleeping with the Past is pretty good. Uh, Made in England uh, is one of the best pieces of work he's done after, you know, the early the early eighties. Uh, it it's a really good record. Uh, but Songs from the West Coast, I would say, is his best work post probably too low for zero or maybe the fox but i would say songs from the west coast is probably is definitely in my top 10 elton albums right on man all right well you know what i'm gonna go back to listening to uh uh captain fantastic because yeah you know as far as you know because as i said i'm not an aficionado without that there's only one song i know on there the song about you know that bear that's on a, a box of cereal I always thought that when I was a little kid. It's like, dude, is he singing a song about Sugar Bear, the the, <laughs> the, 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 the cereal? I always thought that. Yeah. And I was a... like, that, that cereal saved his life? Yes, it did. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> All right, Greg. Thank you so much for being part of the Vieira Vault and, and, and agreeing to do this because it makes me feel good to take care of every donation, which I'm going to do if it kills me. I'm going to get everybody, uh, everybody who donated, uh, whoever's left. And I know there's plenty left. 
And I want to take care of all of them because I want to. I really do. Contrary to what many of you fucking universal jerk-offs think, I want to take care of every single donation that was... uh, And I want to apologize. You know, when I left the show, it is true. I'll I'll take the blame of uh, not being, uh, you know... Uh, not thinking of the donations. I, I'll, I'll agree to that. You know, it was, uh, I wasn't thinking, oh man, I, you know, I'm going to quit. So therefore I don't have to do these donations. That was never, ever on my mind when I quit. I, you know, I later on when, you know, my, when a uh, little smoke cleared and uh, I realized, oh, uh, there's donations to be done. And I left a show. I, I have to honor it, you know? And those that know me in real life, uh, know that I would do shit like this. So, whatever anybody thinks out there, you know, that's that's any different. Uh, pucker up. You want to? You, you're gonna come down here, get on your knees, and kiss my big black ass. Ain't that right, Greg? No, that, don't answer that, Greg. I don't want you involved. <laughs> I think I'll plead the fifth on that. Um... Yeah, I don't want anybody <laughs> to attack you, and you end up breaking your purse on their head. That's not cool. It's already happened, and it, it, <laughs> believe me, it was not a good day at the office. <laughs> well, as always, Greg, it's always an honor to have you here, and uh, till next time, my friend. All right. I will see you somewhere down the yellow brick road. Yeah, on the flip-flop. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Thanks. All right, thanks so much to Greg for being part of this. I am honored, and please, I got to stress this again. Anybody that donated, please hit me up on Facebook or I don't know where else. I guess Facebook will be the only place. Let me know. I really want to do your donation. And hey, even, you know, we used to charge so much for you to be a part of the show. Even if you didn't pay enough to be part of the show, I want you on the show. Or if you don't want to be part of the show, that's fine. I'll get somebody else to do it with me. But I don't care how much you paid. If you donated, uh, you're more than welcome to be on the Vieira Vault with me speaking about the album you donated. All right. So, And also, anybody out there that didn't donate, please put the word out for me. Um, I would like uh, to hunt these people down. So I want to do each and every one. I really am serious about this. All right. Speaking about getting serious oh man this one's really good but i can only play it for you inside the vault so let's go inside the vault all right we're inside the vault and i did a little searching on youtube for elton john covers because i want to keep this strictly elton john and i found somebody man forgive me if i got your age wrong his name is jack seabark s E-A-B-A-U-G-H. He looks very young. I say he looks the oldest 13. If you're older, uh, please forgive me, but you really look young. And he does a cover. Well, he does a lot of Elton John covers, and he does a lot of, I mean, check out his uh, his YouTube page. His name is uh, Jack Seberg. And, uh, man, I was blown away by this kid. Uh, with all the covers he did, but I want to play you this one. It's a live version. He's got a version where he does it alone at home, but I'm going to put the live version of Benny and the Jets. It's kind of, no, not kind of. It's very mind-blowing. He looks this young, and his voice is that. His voice sounds extremely mature. It doesn't sound like a little kid at all. 
and he plays the piano. He even dresses the part, the glasses. He's got these feather wings, you know. He's got the whole getup going. It's pretty awesome, and I think you'll dig it too. If you like Benny and the Jets, you're going to love this version. He nails it. Check this out. This is Jack Seberg, Benny and the Jets, live.
that mind blowing or what? I mean, check out the video. Check out his uh, page, Jack Seaborg, and uh, look at him, man. He's a young kid, and he sounds like that, and mega talented playing the piano that way. Great stuff. Anyway, that's it for the Vieira Vault this week. I'll be back next week. I don't know what I'm doing, but I promise you, a brand new episode every single week. I've been on a roll ever since I left the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. There has not been a week. I haven't put up a new Vieira Vault, and I continue to continue to keep that streak because this is my home now. This is my podcast, and I have this newfound love for doing this. I'm so excited for the future of this podcast. It'll never be as good as a Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm not trying to be better. It's not no competition. Uh, whatever Ian ends up doing, I wish him the best of luck, and you know what? I know he's going to do great. Um, so... Anyway, if you're listening to me now, right now, thank you so much. Leave me an iTunes review, subscribe to my channel, the speaker, whatever. And I got a YouTube and eh, I'm all over the damn place. And uh, I also want to give a special thanks to each and every one of you that have been sharing my Vieira Vault every single week. I put a new one up. Uh, A bunch of you out there are sharing it. Love you guys so much. Love you all. And those that don't share it, I love you too because you're hearing my voice right now. Till next time, smack a gob.